Many of us are familiar with the concept of work in process, and some feel that any work in process laying around is of the devil. This thinking is partly true. However, we need a certain amount of work in process to overcome the natural variation in the system with standard work in process or critical work in process levels. For episode 7 this week on the Continuous Improvement Journeys podcast, we will explore the steps to take to have an optimal level of standard work in process levels to not starve or overwhelm each process in the entire system, while on the other hand, not having too much work in process or inventory that can cause confusion and variation in the system that decreases throughput and increases cycle times. My hope is that this series of the 13 Laws of System Optimization will help give us a larger and all-encompassing perspective to help take us to the next level from our traditional lean manufacturing training. Welcome back, my friends. I'm Hayden Barker from Continuous Improvement Journey, where we help you take Continuous Improvement to the next level so you can destroy your organization's status quo, devastate your competitors, and fuel revolutionary innovation. I want to thank all of you who have listened to these podcasts so far. I'm excited to join with you as we travel along our continuous improvement journey. Now let's dive into our topic for this week about the third law of the 13 laws of system optimization to discuss the law of work in process and flow. The more and more I become a student of lean statistics and continuous improvement, the more and more I have come to understand that there needs to be a balance in all things. According to some lean manufacturing extremists, all work in process and all inventory is bad and you must reduce work in process and inventory down to zero to achieve just-in-time inventory. That, unfortunately, is a perfect example of what I call lean anorexia that I talked about in the last episode. Going to that extreme of zero inventory will actually equal zero income. On the other hand, if we go all the way to the extreme of batch processing or push systems typical to most operations, this will be the same as being morbidly obese. So what can we do to find the balance between these two extreme lines of thinking that produce the lowest cycle times, lowest inventory, and work and process levels with the highest throughput? We will dive deeper into these concepts in the next episode when we talk about law number four, of the law of inventory optimization. However, for now, let's keep things simple by discussing work and process levels and the concept of flow to build a foundation for the next episode. Let's first talk about standard work and process and then move on to the concept of flow a little later. As a very basic definition of standard work and process, it is the lowest quantity of work in the production line to maintain the standard work and tack time. In a perfect or ideal world, the standard work in process level will equal the number of production operators in a manual operation or the number of machines in a semi-automated operation. As you may have caught on, we don't live in a perfect world because we have variation and various push scheduling systems. So we need to put some controls in place to create a closed loop system help keep standard work and process levels constant to maintain standard work flows. Open loop systems are push scheduled systems that constantly push work and inventory into the system 
in hopes of speeding things up and getting more work out at the end of the line. However, what occurs is the exact opposite, and as a result we get longer lead times and less throughput. Kanban is a great tool that comes to mind to help create a closed-loop controlled system for inventory and standard work and process levels. There are two main concepts or options with Kanban to run the whole line with final assembly work orders or Kanban cards. For the first Kanban option, the control for this type of Kanban system is that there can only be one work order in the or Kanban card in the production line at a time. Once the final assembly and testing is complete, the card goes back to the very beginning of the line to trigger the release of the next final assembly or task to be made. This type of system goes great in tandem with standard workflows and maintaining optimal levels of standard work in process because if an operator completes their task, they can move around the line to help complete or prepare other tasks to be completed. The second option to Kanban is very similar to the first option. The only difference is that each process operates under a Kanban card instead of one card for the entire line. This also has great benefits and can fit into standard workflows as well. I'm sure that there are you know, other options and, and maybe things that you have already done to create a, a closed-loop system that results in optimal flow instead of a open-loop system that results in chaos. Whatever closed-loop system you choose, it just needs to be linked to standard work. More about standard work in a future episode, episode 10. Having your standard work and process levels equal the number of people and machines is ideal and reaches the coveted one-piece flow concept. But what about assembly process steps that require batching like paint drying, oven time, and curing times for epoxy and electronic encapsulation? In those cases, again, you can go back to the definition of standard work and process, which is the minimum quantity of work to maintain standard work and tack time. There are many other people online that have blogs and video posts that can help you calculate that, so I won't get too technical about that right now. We'll talk a little bit more about standard work in the in episode 10, but for now, just to summarize, these tools I've just talked about are just tools that need to be customized into your organization. Just because Toyota did it or I told you doesn't mean that you should copy it exactly. Learn the concepts and tools and then improve upon those concepts. Concepts like standard work, one-piece flow, and just-in-time manufacturing can be taken to the extremes. Remember, we need to find a balance in all things. What standard work and standard work and process does, yes, it helps us get closer to one-piece flow and just-in-time manufacturing, but it also does two other things that we might forget are connected to the outcomes of standard work and standard work and process. First one is that it increases the quality of our goods or services, and two, it optimizes our production flow. Now that I've brought up the concept of optimal flow, uh, let's switch gears and talk more about that. I love history, so let's have a little history lesson. When we think about assembly lines and flow, many of us tend to think about Henry Ford's assembly line. What Henry Ford did was take what other predecessors did and improved on that to create a mass production moving assembly line. One predecessor was Ransom Olds of Oznobil, who developed the concept of the modern assembly line 
which was further changed by Henry Ford into a moving assembly line. I'm sure that there are other predecessors during the Industrial Revolution, especially during the car industry, that may have had the first assembly line or whatever. But the Venetian or uh, the Venice arsenal goes back even further into history. The Venetian arsenal began around 1100. What they were doing is they were building merchant and warships, and by the 1500s, they were able to build and outfit the ship with supplies in one day before it would take months. This new system was much faster, required less wood, removed the need to have traditional bound expert craftsmen, standardized parts, and the most interesting thing that they used was use canals as the assembly line. All this with such efficiency that would not be seen until the Industrial Revolution 200 years later. The Venetian arsenal shipbuilding process could be claimed as one of the first assembly lines. I'm sure there are others throughout history that could have claimed that. But it just was an interesting story to hear about the efficiency of something like that clear back in the you know, 1100s, even up to the 1500s, as they continue to improve over those 100 years. One thing that got to remember about the Venetian arsenal shipbuilding is that there was still no organization of the speed of production. Sometimes 100 ships were at various work and process stages along the canal. There was a lot of theft of tools and materials that were a huge issue. And so, just like Henry Ford's and the Venetian arsenal assembly lines, these were some of the most influential and remembered in past history. The main reason why I bring up the Venetian arsenal and why it is so intriguing to me is that it is one of the sources of the concept of where flow came from. As the ships were being built, they would have various stations along the canal, and once one operation was done, they would literally flow the ship down along the assembly line to the next station, from building the whole of the ship, to sealing it up so it would not leak, mast and sail attachment, all the way up to outfitting the ship with food and ammunition, all in a day's time. Pretty amazing. Whatever happens with flow, the biggest hindrance to flow is variation. The second hindrance to flow is operational and process wastes, which we talked about variation and waste in the previous two episodes. All these 13 laws of system optimization build off of and are closely linked with one another. All of which is why I'm so excited about this podcast series as we discuss the 13 laws of system optimization to help you and your organization rise above it all to optimize your system, to bring about success to your organization, your employees, customers, and ultimately raising the level of society. Thanks again, my friends, for listening. I'll catch back up with you again in the next episode.